True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on August 25th. I am Frank Sample, joined by Scott White. Today on the show, a massive game for Red Sox prospect Willier Abreu. We had a pitcher's duel out in the desert. Week 23 sleepers, two-star pitchers, and much more. Before we get started, help us out by liking this video and subscribing on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify, we really do appreciate it. I think even before we get into the players of the night and all of Thursday's action, Scott, we left off yesterday with the massive news about Shohei Otani, and I think let's catch everybody up because there was an update here on Thursday. Thankfully, we got a bit of an update, and uh, the latest information we have is that Shohei Otani will continue to DH until he decides whether to undergo surgery to repair the torn UCL. So yeah. it's like kind Not of much of an update. It's like kind of an answer. Like he, he's going to DH for now. So I guess that's yeah. a good thing, but we don't, yeah, we just, we don't know what's going on in his mind or whether or not he'll opt for surgery. So we wait. Probably, probably under consistent pressure from his representation to stop DHing. Yeah. I would guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, yeah, we, we know it's not going to be tomorrow, but we we don't even really know that, right? It could be tomorrow. We just we just can't say for sure that it'll be tomorrow. We know he at least wants to keep hitting for now. 
And maybe it'll be when the Angels are officially out of the race that he'll stop and undergo the procedure. I mean, the earlier he has it, the more time he has to recover, the sooner he can come back as a hitter next year. Um, although we don't know for sure that he he's getting Tommy John surgery, right? That that hasn't been confirmed either. I don't know. I haven't seen this anywhere, whether or not it's a full tear. They've just said a tear. So it could be a partial tear of the UCL. And we've seen other pitchers in the past pitch through a partial tear. I know Masahiro Tanaka was a very popular one, and he pitched pretty yeah. well through a partially yeah. torn UCL. So I haven't seen that myself. I don't know if you have. It usually doesn't go well when pitchers attempt it. Right. Uh, I, I think Irvin Santana is another case of a pitcher who had one and pitched through it for a long time. But so, yeah, I'm kind of assuming that's where this is all leading for Otani. But technically, we don't actually know that yet. But the bottom line is for fantasy, you hold on to Otani. You keep playing him for as long as he's in. I, I, I've had the chance since uh, last night when we were responding to it live. And that was pretty fun, by the way. I don't know. We didn't. <laughs> I didn't was, see a lot of feedback from it, but it's so rare that we get a chance to react to breaking news, especially with a four-man panel. It was like crazy. That Chris Towers coming <laughs> on. So that was, you know, just such an authentic moment, totally off the cuff. And I thought we did a good job. Uh, but anyway, I had a chance since then to look up the numbers Otani put up when he was playing. Like the, the first time he received news that he needed Tommy John surgery, it was late in 2018. It was like, the very start of September in 2018. And for that entire last month, Shohei Otani, with the knowledge that he needed surgery to repair his right elbow, hit 310 with seven home runs, four steals, and a 1,003 OPS. I mean, he looked wow. he looked exactly like Shohei Otani. So, like, I, I'm not expecting... Just because that happened that month of September doesn't necessarily mean that's how this month of September is going to go. But I don't think there's too much reason for concern that this injury is going to impact him at the plate, at least pre-surgery. When he's recovering from surgery, you know, we've seen it's taken Bryce Harper a few months to get back to his uh, his normal level of production. So th- that might be a different story. But right now, pre-surgery, stick with Otani for as long as for as long as he sticks in the lineup. And then we'll we'll cross the 2024 bridge when we come to it. But my presumption is if he does have Tommy John surgery, he's not a first round pick anymore just because he'll miss he'll miss some time at the start of next year. And as with Harper, might be uh, less than full force when he does return. It's so interesting, Scott. I feel like every year we have a few curveballs in fantasy baseball drafts, right? That we have to deal with and try and figure out how to evaluate this year it was Fernando Tatis coming back from the suspension and we haven't seen him play in so long and the year before that it was Ronald Acuna coming back from a torn ACL we're trying to figure out okay how to value him and how it's far should he go. there's always and we already we already have one we, we already have our first domino for next year is there's something will happen with Shohei Otani I think so uh we'll see and obviously as we learn more we will let you know the latest on Shohei Otani let's get into Thursday's action. Oh my good goodness gracious. Oh my. Let's talk about those Red Sox. Their offense put up 17 runs on 24 hits against the Houston Astros, led by their leadoff man, Alex Verdugo. Of course, we'll talk about Willie Abreu uh, Abreu in a bit, Uh, but Verdugo, four for seven with his 10th home run, two runs, two RBI, and he had a brutal July, but has bounced back nicely so far in August. And Verdugo, 
I was looking this up. He is one of the players that has the biggest discrepancy between points leagues and Roto. He, entering Thursday, was the outfielder 27 in total fantasy points, and he's the outfielder 44 in Roto. So that's a pretty massive difference. The doubles, the plate discipline, obviously all that stuff matters in a points league. Uh, the other one, Connor Wong, went four for six with his eighth home run, two run, uh, two RBI, and four runs scored. He's been solid in the, you know, deepest two-catcher league kind of sense. He's hit 240, uh, 248 with eight home runs and five steals. Five steals, kind of interesting from a catcher. But the big name that we want to talk about here is Willier Abreu. Four for five with his first career home run for the Red Sox. He was called up earlier this week. He had a walk. He had four RBI. He had four hard hits in this game, all four of them over 104 mile per hour exit velocity. The home run, 108.7 off the bat, 431 feet, and in line for six games next week. Scott, I saw a tweet that you said it looks like it'll be all right-handed pitchers. On CBS, yep. I think it said one left-handed pitcher, so I could be wrong, but uh, he's 3% rostered. He's out there in every league. Your thoughts on Willier Abreu? So to address that discrepancy where it's showing one left-hander for the Red Sox next week, probable pitchers are just a mess right now, and I had to spend so much of my day uh, updating them to what what I think is right for next week. But of course it's all very much subject to change to change. It always is anyway, you know, you're predicting 10 days into the future uh, who's going to be starting for a team, but particularly this time of year with, with teams going six man and then they stop going six man just on a whim as they try to preserve innings. So I will just, you know, I'll, I'll stand by what I tweeted out that, as of what I can tell right now, it looks like the Red Sox are scheduled to face nothing but righties next week, which is very good news for William Abreu because he is a left-handed hitter. He started in center field this game. Obviously, Jaron Duran is out, so it's between uh, it's between Abreu and Adam Duvall who plays center field, and I suspect they're going to be pretty strict with Abreu in, in terms of only starting him against right-handers. So... That's very good news for him. What we've seen so far, I mean, obviously the production in this game speaks for itself. Four for five, home run, double. Uh, a bunch of hard hit balls in the little bit of time he's been up, which is very encouraging because my scouting report on him was that the power is mostly a product of him putting the ball in the air a lot as opposed to him hitting the ball especially hard. Well, so far, it, it looks like he just... Hits the ball really hard too. I believe that that home run he hit today uh, was up in the the second deck. Yeah, uh, for whatever for for whatever that means to anybody in the year of exit velocities. Um, yeah, hit a lot of power in the minors. Show good on base skills as well. I don't think in the long run he's going to be a great source of batting average because he is so fly ball oriented. But certainly is um, proving that he can have some utility here in fantasy down the stretches is William Abreu, especially when the matchups look as favorable as they do for this upcoming scoring period. Let's say you play in a deeper five outfielder league, which I think that is probably the format that we're looking at a player like William Abreu right now. Would you take him ahead of the other prospect outfielders called up Everson Pereira and Parker Meadows? Meadows had a good game on Wednesday. Uh, I saw Everson Pereira, 
He hit a double on Thursday that was like 111.7 exit velocity, so that was kind of interesting. Um, but would you take a Abreu ahead of both of those? Yeah, I mean, look, he, he just had a four-hit game. Nobody else has done that since being called up. And with prospect call-ups, unless it's like high, high-end prospects, I think you're just kind of taking it day-to-day, seeing who 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 proves he belongs in the majors. And so far, William Abreu, admittedly in a tiny sample size, has done just that. I also think the flaws in Everson Pereira's and um, Parker Meadows' games are are more evident. Of all of them, Pereira has the most upside. And so, you know, if he gets hot, then maybe we'll be all over him at that point. But based on what we've seen so far from a trio of outfielders who we're all wait and see in terms of how we approach them in fantasy, Abreu has proven the most. So he's the one I want the most. Which pitcher were the Red Sox facing to do all this damage, that would be J.P. France. Uh, I thought you were going to say Martin Maldonado, who gave up four of the runs, <laughs> including Connor Wong's home run. I didn't actually, I didn't notice that, but uh, yeah. They just left J.P. France in there, and the guy got clobbered. He recorded seven outs. He gave up 10 earned runs on 11 hits in this one. Even with that, it's crazy to think. His ERA only jumped up to 351, so... It's a testament to how well he was pitching before this. A 131 whip as well. He's still 83% rostered and uh, looks like he's in line to face the Red Sox again next week. So I don't think anybody will be starting J.P. Francis next time out. Uh, is he someone that we need to hold on to? Do we need to roster J.P. France? I'll keep him in the glob. So, you know, whether you roster him or not kind of depends on the depth of your league, how many other globby pitchers you have. Uh, you mentioned his ERA jumped to three, what was it, 351? Yep. Uh, that was from 275. So it was a big jump. But, you know, 275 was so low. And and part of this, you know, part of it is that J.P. France is now 20 innings, approximately 20 innings over his previous career high in innings. So he he might be beginning to tire out. But part of it's just regression to the mean. I mean, it took us a long time to come around to J.P. France as a, as a viable fantasy option in the first place because coming into this start, he had a 439 XCRA, a 453 XFIT, well, well above, almost two points above what his ERA was at the time. And it, it it may be it may be he's tiring out. It may just be pure and simple regression, hitting very hard and all at once as it is wont to do. Uh, and I'm I'm trying to uh, you know I'm, I'm I'm trying to pay that its proper respect because I think it's really tempting. And I, I talked about this a little bit yesterday. It's really tempting in a year where, particularly in the pitching ranks, I mean, the whole concept of the glob, things go wrong and can snowball. There's like a snowball effect when things go wrong on the pitching end. Just typical bad starts can become really bad starts really easily, it seems like. I don't know if that's the shift band, the the increased number of stolen bases, all of the above. It, it, I just get that feeling, and I'm sure we all do, that that's how the, the, the pitcher pool has 
um, played out this year. So it, it, it becomes really tempting when you have a guy who manages to string together success for as long as JP France did to just say, okay, that's the answer. JP France is good. I need to go with him. But is he really a good pitcher? Well, the underlying numbers say he's not. And so, like, I don't want to lose sight of that and just constantly chase the hot hand. It's, it's, I'm still figuring out what the right approach is, but, and, and to a certain degree, you have to chase the hot hand. We talked about this a few times this year, too, where you have a pitching staff to full, fill out. Who are you going to fill it out with? There's only so many good pitchers. You know, if you're, if you're choosing from somebody in the glob, then you're kind of are choosing the hot hand, right? But, I guess you have to, you have to do that. You have to go in with your your eyes open and understand that JP France probably isn't going to be able to keep this up. And when the regression does come, it could be extreme like this. This goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. JP France, eighty three percent rostered. If he is the worst pitcher on your team, and somehow Cole Reagans is available. Please go add Cole Reagans and drop JP France. Uh, Reagans, 66% rostered. And of course, we will be talking about him later on Scott's Sleeper Pitchers for next week. Of course. Of course we will. All right, let's talk about your player of the night. Who you got? I got Ryan Pepio. I think Ryan Pepio might be an actual good pitcher. And he didn't start for the Dodgers today. It's worth noting. I don't know if we call it a doubleheader. They 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 completed two games today. They reached the end of two games today. One was um, picking up where they left off uh, Wednesday. Pepio came in in the second game. He followed two pitchers, not just a single opener. He was the third pitcher in the second game the Dodgers played today. And that probably would have been the most efficient way to say it. And he went four innings. He was the he was he was the bulk pitcher in that second game. So technically, didn't start followed a couple of openers, gave them four innings, struck out six, more notably, walked no one. And now in eight appearances between the majors and minors this year, Ryan Pepio has issued 1.7 walks per nine. Rick Porcello level of control here. Um, 1.7 walks per nine. His, his, walk, his BB per nine rate last year, 4.4 between the majors and minors. So opposite end of the spectrum so far from Pepio. And Pepio is a guy with big strikeout numbers in the minors. I mean, really that control was the fatal flaw and the reason he might not amount to much in the majors might just be a, a late evening reliever or something like that is because he wouldn't be in the strike zone enough. Uh, but so far this year, I mean, 1.7 walks per night. Like I said, it doesn't get much better than that. I think that it's. I think it's probably a little too good to be true. But the point is, it's much better than 4.4 per nine. And given the strikeout potential Pepio offers, um, it's very, very encouraging. Obviously, Tony Gonsolin's out for the year, so they have this opening in their rotation. That Pepio now with back-to-back strong outings. I, I believe both were following an opener, so neither was technically a start. But he went a starter's length and has been awesome. So I, th- I think that spot is his. And I, I, given the supporting cast the Dodgers offer, the win potential there, I, I would say that's an exciting pickup. Obviously not Cole Reagan's level of excitement, but 
at least Chase Silseth level of excitement. Ryan Pepio, 25% rostered. What size leagues are you looking at, Adam Scott? Is it, you know, 12 team roto leagues or deeper? I I feel like he's probably not ready to impact points leagues yet. I wouldn't be so sure. Okay. I might look to Adam anywhere I wanted to pick up an extra pitcher. I I'm not saying I'd drop every gloppy pitcher for him because it's a very big glob. But some of the back-end globby guys, some of the those barely hanging on to the glob and, and on the verge of being shed, left in its trail of mucus. I don't know. I was trying to think of a nicer sounding word than that. Um, left in its trail of slime. Uh, yeah, I'd be willing to drop some of them for Pepio because I think Pepio is much more upside-y and, and obviously has all the advantages of pitching for the Dodgers. I hate to keep piling on JP France, but <laughs> would you make that swap? I wouldn't not make that swap. I need an answer. How's that, how's that for straddling the fence? <laughs> I need an answer. Uh, yeah, I think I think in leagues where you can honestly consider JP France, dropping JP France because they're on the shallower ends, then why not? Why not take a shot on the higher upside guy, Pepio? I don't know if you've thought about the actual embodiment of the glob, what it looks like, Scott. But it, Well, it looks like whatever container it's in oh because i'm I'm imagining flubber the movie Mm -hmm. with robin williams back in the day just a big old shape of its container sure a big old flubber and just inside of it is a list of pictures and and that's what well that's a little i don't imagine words in it i i imagine it but no that that's sort of what i was picturing too where you know when it's outside of a vessel and able to take its own shape it can take whatever shape it wants the glob but (laughs) Probably it's going to sprout arms and legs just so it can function in our world. And, and yeah, sometimes it, it, it you know, it loses, it, it, it sheds, you know, it, some of it rubs off as it's walking across the surface and, and somebody gets left behind. Maybe JP France is on the verge of that. I just wonder how far can we go <laughs> with this analogy? We're just going to keep going. Let's take uh, our first break. When we return, we will talk waiver wire hitters. Uh, that pitching duel that I mentioned, we'll do that right after this. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. 
If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome back into Fantasy Baseball Today. And just a quick reminder to... I, I, I want to interrupt your mind, reminder. Yeah. I'm getting distracted by the commenters. Uh. They are <laughs> slandering me right now. You offered me the choice of JP France or Pepio, and I reluctantly said Pepio. They're saying I said Pepio over Silseth. If you heard that, I did not say that. Do not drop Chase Silseth. For Ryan Pepio. The, but yeah. I do think a couple weeks from now, if things go right, we will think of Pepio as being on the same level of Silseth, hopefully. He's I'm, not there yet. I think you mentioned Silseth's name somewhere in your analysis. I but did. I think it was that. It was that Ryan Pepio is kind of in that Silseth territory. I don't think That's you said you would take set, him over. I wanted yeah. to set the record straight because sometimes people just hear names and fill in all the words between them however they see fit. The reminder, uh, download and follow Fantasy Baseball Today in 5 wherever you listen to this podcast. If you are watching on YouTube, you could scan that QR code in the top right corner and that will take you right to the podcast feed. Probably should have mentioned this much earlier in the season, but <laughs> we do an extra FBT in 5 every Saturday, which comes out and where we talk about prospects. It gets dropped into the full length podcast feed as well. So listen to all of it and have fun. Let's talk some waiver wire hitters. Zach Geloff, uh, he's just been, him and Kerry Carpenter, I'm just going to keep mentioning their names until they're up over 80% rostered because why not? They just keep doing stuff. Zach Geloff, one for four with his 10th home run. And Scott, we now have a new max exit velocity of 108 miles per hour. So just, yeah, I noticed the same thing. Just slightly up from the 107.6. Uh, but yeah, he is 73% rostered. Sneak peek, but Scott's number three sleeper hitter for week 23. This is a question I've received multiple times already on Thursday. Would you drop Tommy Edmond to add Zach Geloff? It's close. I, I think Tommy Edmond since returning is batting 253 with four homers and three steals. That's a pretty mm. good player too. Yeah, and it's worth noting that Tommy Edmond hasn't been hasn't been that big of a deal this year. No. He's been kind of I mean <laughs> The glob doesn't apply to hitters, but <laughs> if there was a hitter glob, I'd say he was in it. Uh, let me see where I, I just adjusted my rankings yesterday, moved Geloff a up a lot, and yes, I have him I have him pretty far ahead of Edmund, actually. So sure, I would drop Edmund for Zach Geloff. All right, let's move over to Nolan Jones, who went three for four with his 13th home run, added three RBI, having a pretty big second half here. Eight home runs, three steals, and 893 OPS. He's still striking out way too much, but he hits the ball hard enough, and he plays in Coors Field, so those things might be able to help him overcome this 34% strikeout rate. I don't think he's going to continue to be like a 275, 280 hitter, but... Those things help, obviously. He's 61% rostered. He's got six home games next week. And sneak peek, I'm giving away all of Scott's sleeper hitters. Nolan mm -hmm. Jones is number two on the list for next week. So if you need an outfielder in a shallower league, yep. he's out there. He's your guy. Yeah, 
I, th- I think he's been overlooked for too long now. There was a point earlier this season where he got over that 80% threshold, and then I think they started messing with his playing time, and he kind of cooled off and people lost faith in him. But he's he's come roaring back here in the second half, obviously. Less competition for his at-bats. And uh, the Rockies are at home for all six of their games next week. So that's that's the one hitter in their lineup that I feel confident can take. Oh, not the one hitter in their lineup because I have another Rockies hitter among my 10 sleeper hitters, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Nolan Jones is the Jones, Nolan Jones. <laughs> Nolan Jones is the Rockies hitter who I'm most confident I, can take advantage of those six home games. I assume you would take Kerry Carpenter ahead of him, right? I would. Okay. Yeah. Who, would you take Nolan Jones ahead of both Eddie Rosario and Seiya Suzuki right now? Easily over Eddie Rosario, but also, yes, over Seiya Suzuki. I assume you would also take him over Andrew Benintendi, who over his last oh, yeah. eight games is betting 400 with two homers and one steal. Yeah, it's totally hollow. He's the hollow <laughs> man. I agree. It's Looking at his overall numbers, how has he played all season long? In Chicago, which is a pretty good hitter's park, he has four homers. Four home runs. Not that good, Frank. That Yeah, I think that, that's like, probably the answer. <laughs> He's like Nick Markakis. I mean, I feel like since he's all done, I've been making the Nick Markakis comparison for Andrew Benintendi, and it just continues. He had one season there. I think it was 18 or 20 homers, but I think that was also the last juice ball year. I think it was 2021 with the Royals. Yeah, but so did Nick Markakis. Yeah. Early in his career. Looks like that is uh, not coming back for Andrew Benintendi. Royce Lewis is a name that we've talked about a lot recently. He went three for three with a walk, a run, and an RBI. And in eight games since returning, he's betting 333 with two homers, a steal, and a 1045 OPS. He's 58% rostered. And obviously, I like the player, Scott, and I like him, you know, for the rest of this season. But I did notice, and another sneak peek. The Twins have bad hitter matchups for next week. He's facing tough uh, pitchers. Gavin Williams, Tanner Bybee, Max Scherzer, Jordan Montgomery, John Gray. So as much as I like Royce Lewis, and if you picked him up, obviously you hold on to him. But for next week, it it might be a bit of a rough go. Yeah, it might be. Those are my second toughest hitter matchups. You know, if he's your best option at third base or shortstop, he's your best option at third base or shortstop, and they don't. Particularly shortstop. I'm not sure you're going to find anything better off the waiver wire. But if you do have the choice, you might you might go against Royce Lewis this upcoming week, sure. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but if you play in deeper leagues and you're looking for a middle infielder, we got this influx of rookies recently. Noel V. Marte had a big game. One for two with a double, a walk, a run, an RBI, his third stolen base already. The double he hit, 111.7 exit velocity for Noel V. Marte. He's 31% rostered with seven games next week. And Oslavis Basabe, the guy keeps hitting so far. Two for three with an RBI, his first 10 games with Tampa Bay. He's batting 333 with one homer and an 885 OPS. Hitting the ball pretty hard too, 90.3 exit velocity, uh, but too many ground balls. Who would you rather have, Scott? Marte or Basabe? Or Lewis? No, no, no. Just between those two. Marte okay. and Basabe. It's definitely Lewis if we're including him. But I, I agree. Uh, between Marte and Basabe, I'd say Marte. Uh, Basabe, just you look at his minor league track record, there doesn't 
there's no power there. I understand the average exit velocity so far has been good, but I don't think I don't think that's something that's going to continue. And it is only fitting that on a Kokomo Friday, I have to mention that Connor Joe is actually having a pretty big month of August. He went two for two with two walks of run and an RBI, and so far this month batting 315 with a 441 on base percentage, two homers, eight doubles, a 1015 OPS. He's 6% rostered. You know, this is very deep league stuff, but if you play in a deeper points league, I, I think that's where Connor Joe excels. So for the, uh, I don't know, maybe 3% of our deep points leagues players out there, Connor Joe, he's roaring back. Uh, two so days. This is how interested I am in Connor Joe. Oh, no. Don't My do mind it. was wandering during that whole spiel to what. Because you were talking about how you imagine the glob looking. You imagine it being green based on that description. Oh, yeah. Because I was thinking orange. I've been thinking orange this whole time. Fun fact, orange is my favorite color. Well, why weren't you thinking orange then? Frank? I was thinking about flubber. Green. Aren't you glad <laughs> I didn't think green? But up, is that dad joke of the night or something? <laughs> yeah, that's a punchline to a famous knock uh, knock joke. You never heard that one? Yes, I have heard it. Okay. Um, did you have anything else to add on Connor Joe, or was that it? No. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I thought it was going somewhere about Connor Joe. No. Two no. Uh, deep league catchers, two catcher leagues. Ryan Jeffers. We have not talked about Ryan Jeffers all year, and I think that's probably a bad job because when he's played. He's actually performed very well for Minnesota. He hit a pinch hit go-ahead two-run homer for them on Thursday, and he is batting 282 with 10 homers and an 873 OPS. Among catchers with 200 plate appearances, Jeffers is second in OPS and first in weighted runs created plus. 145, just ahead of Sean Murphy. Pretty interesting. Uh, and Shea Langelier is two for four with a double dong, four RBI. He's having a big week. Four home runs in four games. And fun fact, I actually picked him up in a 15-team two-catcher league because Scott had the Oakland A's as the best hitter matchups this week. And that's the only All reason right. why I picked him up. So thank you, Scott. You I, go. got, I got four home runs. That's why I publish those matchups. <laughs> just in case, you know, you want to go off the list of 10 sleepers and find your own. It worked out in that case. That's right. Um, in two-catcher leagues, I mean, do you have a preference here? They could be out there like a Jeffers, Langoliers. I guess I'll throw Connor Wong in this mix. Yeah, I, I mean, they're they're below the group we've been talking about in recent days. Yiner Diaz, uh, Kiva Ruiz, Cal Raleigh. Who else? Mitch Garver, I'd put them behind those. All of those. Yeah, behind Logan Ohapi. I, I would yep. say behind Gabriel Moreno, too. Yeah, so obviously look to those guys first, but... But Jeffers has been doing interesting things for a while. And I mean, kind of kind of Garver-like, actually. Who, incidentally, you know, the high points of his career came with the Twins. And he's probably the reason, Jeffers is probably the reason they traded Garver to the Rangers. So that's, you know, it's all, it's all coming full circle here. And Langoliers, a lot of prospect pedigree there. Uh, good power hitter in the minors. Maybe finally living up to his potential in the majors. You know, we've talked a lot about how it seems to be taking prospects longer to hit their stride in the majors. Maybe it's happening for Langoliers. You know, the overall numbers still look pretty bad. But if nothing else, he might be positioning himself to uh, to deserve being drafted in two catcher leagues next year. 
All right, let's slide over to a pitcher's duel out in the desert. It's time to duel. You know, it's funny. I mentioned this to you the other day, Scott. Someone left us a two-star review on Apple because they said I play too many sound drops and it wakes them up when they're trying to sleep. I, 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 I Why are you listening to the podcast while you're sleeping? That's the funniest, that's the funniest crit, crit, critique to me yeah. because what he's saying is he prefers a, a, a podcast that puts him to sleep, which is the exact opposite of what a podcaster tries to do is put you to sleep. So that's that's funny. That's really funny. I, yeah, it's interesting. I will admit, you know, sometimes go to bed very late at night, obviously. I'll be on my phone. I'll, I'll watch YouTube videos or listen to some stuff. But uh, I'm not listening with the purpose of trying to fall asleep. <laughs> it's, you know, I usually just take myself out and go to sleep, right? Uh, let's talk about those pitchers, by the way. Brandon Williamson continues to pitch well. He was at the Diamondbacks. Six shutout innings, six hits, one walk with six strikeouts. And over his last eight starts, all in the second half, a 3.13 ERA, a 1.15 whip, right around a strikeout per inning. Brandon Williamson, 33% rostered, in line for two starts next week against the Cubs and at the Giants. Merrill Kelly on the other side, dominant. Maybe the best I've ever seen. Seven shutout innings, one hit allowed, 12 strikeouts, tied a career high. He had 18 swinging strikes on only 86 pitches. He actually came out to pitch the eighth inning and then left with trainers uh, I didn't actually see an update on what he left with. I know he was dealing with the blood clot recently, so hopefully it's nothing to do with it's, that. But It's a cramp in his right hamstring. Ah, uh, okay. Well, he was awesome in the start. Even with the velocity down, you know, Merrill Kelly has been really great all season long. Anything to add or critique on Kelly and Williamson? I mean, obviously we're going to have to keep an eye on this Kelly news because if, if it is just a cramp, then okay, he'll feel better in... A matter of minutes, right? Hours. Um, but a lot of times it's labeled a cramp when they're removed from the game and then it ends up being a strain that puts them on the IL. So that would be unfortunate because you're right. He's been he's been very reliable this year beyond what I thought was possible for Merrill Kelly, who seemed like who seemed like Joe Glob coming into the year, you know? Certainly coming into last year. But he's been great. Uh, yeah, Brandon Williamson. You know, obviously the results have been good of late. I don't think the ceiling is particularly high, but he did have some impressive numbers in the minors. It was one of those situations where, uh, you know, at times he'd look like the biggest bat misser in the world. Like in 2021, between two levels, high A and double A. Brandon Williamson had 14K per nine. But then he followed that up last year with just a strikeout per inning. 411 ERA, 156 whip at double A and triple A. So, you know, looked amazing in 2021, looked very ordinary in 2022. And even when he was dominating in 2021, it's not like the scouting reports were raving about this guy. It seemed they were they were skeptical of him. So overall, I think. Brandon Williamson is is not somebody to get terribly excited about, but he does have some interesting numbers in his minor league history. And of course, uh, the Reds lineup, even though it's had its ups and downs, I think has the potential to do a lot of damage and, and could maybe be 
in for a big September that would obviously benefit all of its all of the Reds pitchers. Scrolling through your two-star pitcher rankings, Scott, I noticed that Brandon Williamson is way down the list, and I'm not saying that he should be a priority, but I think if you're in a weekly matchup where you're you have a lot less starts than your opponent, or if you play in a deeper league and for some reason he's out there, the Cubs and the Giants, both teams actually kind of struggle against lefties. Cubs 17th and Woba, Giants 25th and Woba. He's pitched well in this environment. It's kind of tough to find reliable pitchers. I don't hate it. I, I think Williamson next week for two starts. I, I think it's okay. I don't. It's not a must start, but I, I think it's fine in the right, right circumstance. Okay, I'm I'm moving him up a couple spots. I mean, I, the, just by virtue of how long it takes me to put together these things, I have to start before, well before the games are all done Thursday. So sometimes something happens Thursday and it's like, oh, I got to go change that. So I'll, I'll bump him up a couple spots. But I still have him in the no thanks section of the two-star pitcher <laughs> rankings. Fair enough. Let's talk about a few other waiver wire pitchers that could be out there. Kyle Gibson threw a season high eight innings against the Blue Jays. He allowed three runs with eight strikeouts to just one walk and uh, was not good in his previous two outings. He allowed 13 earned runs total during that time. Some kind of interesting things, you know, under the hood for Kyle Gibson. He has a 49% ground ball rate, a 384 FIP, a 405 XFIP. I mean, if he pitched to those numbers, he would be a serviceable starting pitcher. Um, yeah, overall, he's got a 489 ERA, so that hasn't been the case. But I don't know, kind of some mm-hmm. interesting things there. We spoke about Ryan Pepio and then uh, Patrick Corbin. We're talking about Kyle Gibson and Patrick Corbin. Here we are. Uh, He now has a quality start in three of his last four outings. He gave up three runs over six innings at the Yankees. And in his last four starts, he has a 270 ERA and a 116 whip. Any thoughts on Corbin and Kyle Gibson? Yeah, I mean, Gibson, like Dean Kramer, he feels like a random number generator who could be who could pay off really well at times because the Orioles offense is, is, and, and the Orioles bullpen makes him, you know, when he pitches well, makes it very likely he's going to win the game. So those two have been difficult pitchers to manage, but in a way the globiest pitchers of all, maybe that's why I picture the glob is orange because it has such a high concentration of Orioles. That would make sense. It may just be that I'm thinking like the Nickelodeon logo, which is like a freeform shape. A lot of, you know, it's presented as like a glob itself. But when they do, when they do slime time, it's green. Well, that's true. (laughs) We'll we'll stick with the Orioles theory. But the point is, um, Kyle Gibson and Dean Kramer, both are among my sleeper pitchers for next week because they're going against the White Sox. Bad lineup. And so you hope... You hope that you get a. You hope that the random number generator is more likely to spit out something positive. But by virtue of it being a random number generator, how much can you predict that really? They just had back-to-back great starts going against the Blue Jays, and I'm not sure that's necessarily what we would have anticipated. So it's it's always very dangerous. Um, interesting. Those two with the, a start and and more advisable, much more advisable in a points league than a categories league. I would say. But sometimes you have no choice. you got to do it in the categories league. All right, let's run through some news and notes before we hit our final break. And Jordan Alvarez returned to the Astros lineup on Thursday. He finished one for three with a walk. 
Ozzy Albies is trending in the right direction, but remains day-to-day and is not certain to return this weekend when he's first eligible. Jonathan India traveled to the Reds training uh, complex where he was slated to begin running on an anti-gravity treadmill. That sounds fun. He could return in early September if he suffers no setbacks. Kenley Jansen reported improvement with his injured right hamstring and is confident that he will be able to avoid the IL. Kyle Wright threw three scoreless innings while allowing one hit and striking out four in his first rehab outing at high A. He is currently 61% rostered. Mason Miller threw three scoreless innings while striking out five at AAA on Thursday. I believe that was his third rehab start. He is 30% rostered. Who would you rather have, Scott? Mason Miller or Kyle Wright? I mean, it's got to be Wright just because he pitches for the Braves as opposed to the A's. And he's more likely to be treated as a true starter when he returns, I think. And in addition to just not providing Mason Miller with much help, the A's may not let him go past four innings. But it is impressive. This rehab start was impressive for Miller. We we know he has a lot of upside, and he might be worth adding in his own right. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm basically just giving the same... I'm just pointing out the same flaws that Mason Miller uh, that I was pointing out for him when he got called up the first time. It's just how much is he going to win for you? Is he going to go deep enough to be impactful in fantasy? And I have major questions about that. Though, remember, prior to suffering, suffering this injury, he, his, his final two starts for the A's were seven innings and six innings. So maybe I'm wrong about them limiting him to four innings. And again, his last two starts... Before the injury, we're seven innings and six innings. So, like, why they, they probably want to save the bullets for next year, mostly. Interesting pitcher, but it's it's long odds. I think that Mason Miller makes a significant fantasy impact. Joey Votto was placed on the IL due to left shoulder discomfort. He is expected back in early September. Alec Manoa has joined AAA to be built back up after a wide range of medical tests cleared him of any major structural issues. Stone Garrett was placed in the IL with a fractured left fibula, just a brutal injury. We spoke about this yesterday. He was trying to make a play on a ball in right field in Yankee Stadium, and dude had to be like carted off the field. It, it was rough. You hate to see it for Stone Garrett. The Rays optioned Curtis Mead back to AAA. He was batting 250 with zero home runs and zero steals. The Guardians also optioned Brian Rocchio back to AAA. He was batting 258 with zero home runs and zero steals. The White Sox promoted catcher Corey Lee, who came over from the Astros in the Kendall Graveman trade. He is 25 years old, and this season in the minors hit 278 with five homers and 13 steals. We spoke about some names in two catcher leagues earlier, Scott. I assume Corey Lee is not in that category. Not right now, no. And I don't, I don't think the upside, the offensive upside is that good. But at catchers, particularly if you're talking two catcher leagues, it doesn't take much for somebody to enter into the conversation. So we'll keep an eye on it. But right now, Corey Lee, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put much stock in him. And lastly, some bittersweet news as Steven Strasburg is planning to retire in September at 35 years old, once one of the best pitchers in the sport. His career has been cut short uh, following thoracic outlet syndrome. And 
Yeah. This sucks. I mean, that there's no other way to say it, right? Like this guy was at the top of his game. He's a World Series champion. And it, it just kind of stinks to see him go out like this. Though, I mean, I had the thought seeing that Steven Strasburg is 35 years old. You know, I, I thought of the 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 meme from Saving Private Ryan where Matt Damon ages before our eyes. Like, that's how I felt. Steven Strasburg is 35 years old. I remember when this was the the most hyped up pitching prospect of our lifetimes. And yeah, I mean, he was, I think he was basically like 31, 32 when he stopped pitching. And the funny thing is he just kept getting older. Now he's 35. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy indeed. Let's take our final break. When we return, we will preview week 23 here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome back, and let's talk week 23, the schedule for next week. We have nine teams with seven games, and that includes the Nationals, Giants, Padres, Yankees, Dodgers, Tigers, Reds, Cubs, and Braves. 20 teams with six games next week, and one unlucky team with five games. That would be the Tampa Bay Rays. We mentioned earlier with the Rockies, they have six home games in Coors Field three against the Braves and three against the Blue Jays. So perhaps we'll uh, look at a few Braves or Blue Jays for next week. And let's get into two-star pitchers. Starter sit. There's a lot of names, Scott. I have just interesting names, guys that have either pitched well recently with really bad matchups or the reverse or just globby guys. What do we do with them? Let's start with Jesus Lazardo, who is up against the Rays and at the Nationals next week. Coming off a great start, but his previous four starts before that were awful. Your thoughts? Right, but he's in line for two starts after seemingly riding the ship last time. It would have to be a pretty shallow league for me to consider sitting him. All right, Chris Sale in three starts since returning has a 514 ERA. He is facing the Astros and at the Royals. Yeah, sort of the same thing. It's It's been a mixed bag since he returned from the IL, but there have been enough positive signs that I still think he's automatic with the two-start week, especially since one of those matchups is the Royals. Andrew Abbott, over his last five starts, has a 646 ERA and a 173 whip. He's at the Giants and home against the Cubs. 
I don't think he's been bad enough to justify sitting in a two-star week. So I'm, I'm going to say yes to Andrew Abbott as well. Charlie Morton is coming off two great starts. How about these matchups? He's in Coors Field and at the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, really putting it to the test. Oh, gosh. Eileen, yes, though. I mean, the last two starts were double-digit strikeouts, walking nobody. Yeah. Uh, maybe it'll be famous last words, and we'll never want anything to do with Charlie Morton after this. But I think uh, fortune favors the bold, <laughs> as they say. Some say brave. I think Matt Damon said brave <laughs> in that commercial, and that, that confused the heck out of you, and now you started saying that. I, I, think the, the, I think if you Google both bold and brave, bold will come back more, I think. That was fun last year. We used to do the fortune favors the brave to start picture. I hated it. Fun for me. Yeah. I, I, hate thing, I hate when I have to give advice that I don't actually believe in. I don't know if you've caught on to that. Oh, I have. Like if you're forcing me to put, to pick somebody from this category. I mean, it's the whole thing with the streamer pitchers every night. I wouldn't actually do this, but you're forcing me to pick somebody. And so I am, I am attaching my name to that, like it or not. And I don't like it. Well, how do you feel about Bryce Elder? Because he's got the same matchups at... Colorado and at the Dodgers. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think the upside is quite the same as Morton. So I would leave elder for points leagues. Bobby Miller is facing the D backs and the Atlanta Braves. Both are top 10 in Woba against right-handed pitching. Yeah. I, so I'm looking at my two-star pitcher rankings and I have him just ahead of elder actually in the, uh, not only recommending Miller for points leagues, but I think I'm going to change that. I, yeah, I could, I could see starting Miller in a categories league if you're chasing counting stats, but it's, it's just a little too dangerous with that matchup, those matchups. If you're not. Yeah. I I think that's kind of an underrated strategic asset aspect. This time of year is if you play in a roto league, just weighing, what do you need more? Do you need counting stats? Do you need strikeouts? Do you need wins at this point? Then you probably just need to start a two-star pitcher like Bobby Miller regardless. But if you're protecting the ratios, if you're first or second in ERA and whip, and it's you know it's really tight between the top three or four teams, and you, you really need to be judicious with which pitchers you're throwing out there and, and in what matchups. So just keep that in mind. Uh, John Gray is at the Mets and home against the Twins next week. I would also leave him for points leagues. He's just been too inconsistent lately. Those are those are pretty good matchups, though, I will point out. Taiwan Walker home against the Angels and at the Brewers. I could see doing it in points leagues if if you really just wanted to load up on volume. You know, he's he's a he's a pretty He's a pretty low-end pitcher and hasn't been pitching well lately, so I'm, I would rather avoid Taiwan Walker. Lastly, we get Alex Cobb at home against the Reds and at the Padres. Yeah, he's been terrible lately, so I, no thanks for me. All right, well, which two-star pitchers can we add and stream for next week? Who you got? So the number one pitcher on my sleeper pitchers list is actually a one-star pitcher, but since you asked me about the two-star pitchers, we will begin there. Uh, I'm kind of cheating here. A couple guys who are exactly 80% rostered, Tarek Skubal and Kenta Maeda. 
if you're on the fence about starting them or you play in a shallow league or you play on a platform other than CBS, then you'll definitely want to consider those two. Scoobles matchups are against the Yankees and at the White Sox, so both very good. Uh, Kenta Maeda against the Guardians and at the Rangers, so one very good and one bad. His last couple starts have been a little shaky, but overall he's been terrific this year. A uh, guy who's a little more available is Seth Lugo. We've talked about him so much in recent weeks. His matchups at St. Louis and against the Giants, both pretty good. And then Brian Wu, much further down the list, just came off the IL, looked fine in his first start. It was a short one. But really, it's about the matchups here. He's going against the Athletics and then at the Mets. If you want to get into the one-start options, which I think are a little more interesting, number one on the list Cole Reagans, of course. He'd probably be number one regardless. There you go, the ray gun. <laughs> He'd probably be number one regardless of who he was facing, but he's facing the Pirates. So, like, another 11 strikeouts forthcoming. <laughs> Calling your shot. <laughs> Bold prediction. Uh, Gavin Williams, who we haven't talked about him. Not right? yet. He's, I have a few, good. few leftovers here after this. So, we'll, we'll take care of him now. He was not so good here on Thursday. Uh, who is he facing? The Dodgers. Okay. So that, you know, give him kind of a pass for that. Five runs or seven runs, five earned in four and a third innings, eight hits allowed. Still struck out five. The slider velocity was up again. I think it's it's been a, a nice long run of the slider velocity being up, but still two, two shaky starts for Gavin Williams now after back-to-back double-digit strikeout efforts. It seemed like he was coming on, and now maybe he's dropping off again. But the reason I really like him for next week, regardless, is because his matchup is against the Twins, who are a historically bad team against right-handers, at least as far as strikeouts go. They're one of the most strikeout-prone teams against right-handed pitchers ever, so that works to... Gavin Williams benefit. Okay, we also have Chase Silseth at the Athletics, and he's actually about 50% available in about 50% of leagues. I mentioned Dean Kramer and Kyle Gibson both going against the White Sox, and then finally rounding out the list, Kyle Hendricks against the Brewers. All right, let's slide over to the hitters for next week, and the best matchups are the Padres, Tigers, Mariners, Blue Jays, and the Pirates. The worst hitter matchups, the Rays, Twins, Guardians, Nationals, and Giants. With that said, your favorite sleeper hitters in week 23. Well, number one is a gimme this week. He's not so available anymore. This may be the last week he qualifies, but Kerry Carpenter, you mentioned the Tigers have the second best hitter matchups. And as of right now, it's nothing but righties in a seven-day scoring period. Nice. So, Gary Carpenter, far and away my favorite. Nolan Jones, who we talked about earlier with uh, those those six games at Coors Field. Zach Geloff, just because he's been hot. Yiner Diaz, just because he's been hot. Christian Encarnacion Strand, because uh, the Reds do have favorable matchups. Joey Votto's on the IL now, so they're... I, I, I imagine Encarnacion Strand's just going to be the full-time first baseman for now. And he's... He's... You know, he's he's shown some signs of life recently, so I, I like him this week. The other, I, I alluded to those Rockies hitter uh, who I like when they're home, as well as Nolan Jones, and that's Charlie Blackman. You look at his home away splits, he's still a stud at home, like OPS over 900 at home. He, he returned from the IL recently, 
And I think he's a fine play this week. This is a really interesting one. Orlando Arcia, who I've kind of recommended too often in this space. So I'm afraid it's going to be a boy who cried wolf situation. Everybody's just going to tune it out. But the Braves are scheduled to face four left-handers in their seven games. And Orlando Arcia this year against left-handers is batting 344 with an 1126 OPS. He is crushed lefties. So that makes for a really good time to use him. Uh, with the Orioles having good matchups, I like Austin Hayes, the Red Sox, I like Adam Duvall, and of course, William Abreu, who, as we mentioned earlier, could start every game next week, given all the righties on the schedule for Boston. All right, well, let's wrap up here with some leftovers and quickly run through some pitching performances. Justin Steele, uh, yet another quality start. He allowed two earned runs over six innings, and talk about consistency in a year where it's been so hard to find consistent starting pitching. Justin Steele has allowed three earned runs or fewer in 22 of 24 starts. Awesome. Just awesome stuff. He is actually SP5 in fantasy points per game entering Thursday and the SP5 in Roto. He's He's been money. We don't talk about him enough. Uh, Brian Bayo turned in a quality start at the Astros. Seven innings, nine hits, three walks. So lots of base runners. Uh, one earned run with four strikeouts, and then Pablo Lopez's streak of five straight quality starts came to an end. Of course, when I needed him most in the Scott White Dynasty League playoffs, breaks my heart. Five innings, 10 hits, five earned runs, with three homers allowed against the Texas Rangers. Anything to add on Lopez, Bayo, and Justin Steele? I still don't actually think Justin Steele is a top five pitcher in terms of ability. I understand he's been in performance, and that's great. Um, and I do wonder, is he coming up on innings concerns here? I remember he was one of the 15 pitchers I talked about when I wrote that column um, over a month ago at this point. Uh, so his career high in innings prior to this year is 119. And now for this year, Justin Steele is at 138. So he's over his previous high by 19. You got to wonder if that's going to catch up to him at some point. So far, not showing any ill effects. And with the Cubs very much in the playoff race at this point, I doubt they're going to pull back on him. But there may still be some regression coming for Steele. Don't. Don't get too, if you can't get comfortable with him, I know it's like, who can you get comfortable with? But I'm saying don't get too comfortable. There may come a point where you're thinking about sitting him. I don't rank him as a top five pitcher. I, I don't think he's a top five pitcher talent. And it's nothing against Justin Seale. I think he's very good. But he's probably more like a top 20 guy. And I, I guess he probably hasn't been valued that way for most of the season. You have that high? 20? I have him at 23, but I'm looking at who That's I have just ahead of him. I have Nola, Gilbert. Verlander, Sandy. It kind of feels like Justin Seal could be ahead of all those names, in my opinion. I mean, obviously he has been so far. I think there is no doubt in my mind Sandy Alcantara and Aaron Nola are better pitchers. Uh, I have, okay, I have Steel 26th. I have him higher than I thought I did, but still lower than you. Yeah. Uh, a few hitting leftovers here. The Dodgers, we mentioned they finished out two games here on Thursday. Mookie Betts wound up going five for five in that suspended game, and then he went two for three in the second game. He is now batting 310 with 34 home runs, 10 steals, and a 10-10 OPS. Ronald Acuna, hands down, he's the fantasy MVP. 
I thought it was just a given. He's just literally running away with the NL MVP. Not so fast. Mookie Betts actually leads baseball in war. 7.1 war. I think he's making this a, a close race. I think so, too. Uh, I still imagine Acuna is the clear favorite. Uh, I haven't seen like the betting odds recently or anything, but he certainly owns the narrative. But I, I have had the thought, you know, whether it's Betts or Freddie Freeman, frankly, I feel like if you remove either one of them from the Dodgers lineup, Betts or Freeman, it suffers more than if you mo- remove Acuna from the Braves lineup. I mean, that Dodgers lineup is, is very good, but it's so top-heavy, mostly on the backs of those two. And I think when the war is close, I know this, it's kind of old school thinking. They used to give the MVP award to the, the best player on the most surprising team. Like, oh, look, he they would have never got anywhere without him. And now we look more to war and it's almost a pure war uh, situation. But I, I think when the war is close, I, I, do think, I do think there deserves to be some contextual extra credit there. So um, I don't know. Obviously, I'll never sniff an MVP vote in my lifetime. But if I was an MVP voter, I might, I might be, I might be reconsidering, and and maybe thinking about putting one of those Dodgers at the top of the ballot. Don't don't sell yourself short, Scott. You might get there one day. Well, there's <laughs> they they like to get in the Baseball Writers Association of America. They require you to go to a certain number of games every year, and I just I got no time for that. That's fair. Come on. I wish I did. I, I mean, I've looked into it clearly because <laughs> like, being able to vote for Hall of Fame and stuff, that would be awesome. But no, I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't do that. Sorry. A quick glance at the betting odds. Ronald Acuna is still a pretty heavy favorite, I would say. I don't know that it should be that way. I don't I don't have access to bet on the MVP in New York for some reason. But if I did, I might throw down something on Mookie Betts. Jose Ramirez. In that suspended game, he went one for three with a sock and two shoes. He is now up to 19 home runs and 20 steals. The counting stats have been disappointing, but it still looks like Jose Ramirez is going to wind up with 25-25 season, maybe even better than that. And lastly, Giancarlo Stanton went four for five with his 19th home run. His first four-hit game since May 3rd of 2021. How about that? The call to the bullpen for the Nationals. Kyle Finnegan allowed a run, but recorded the final four outs for his 23rd save. For Tampa Bay, Pete Fairbanks picked up his 16th save. For the Cubs, Edward Alzali gave up an unearned run, but converted his 20th save and uh, now has 13 saves in the second half. He has been money. Uh, For the Orioles, Felix Bautista picked up his 33rd save. For the Rangers, Will Smith entered in the eighth inning with the bases loaded uh, and the game tied at the time. He got a double play. And then the next batter, he gave up a two-run homer to Ryan Jeffers. He wound up with the loss. It's been an awful August. My guess, and I think yours too, Scott, is Aroldis Chapman probably gets the next save opportunity for the Rangers. That is my guess. He has looked like retro Aroldis with them and Will Smith has looked like retro Will Smith lately. I I don't know if that's fair to him. I mean, he had a... He's had a fine career, but you know he hasn't been the most reliable in recent years, and it's 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 beginning to show. The cracks are showing this year. For the Twins, Yoan Duran was unavailable, and Griffin Jacks converted his second save. For the A's, Trevor May allowed a hit but picked up his 14th save. 
14 saves is quite a bit. I was pretty surprised to see that from, you know, an Oakland A's closer. So he's 18% rostered if you're desperate for saves. Trevor May is the guy. And for the D-backs, Paul Seawald struck out two for his 28th save of the year. Let's wrap up with to stream or not to stream. And we will start with Friday, where I believe yesterday we said Kyle Hendricks at the Pirates, Christopher Sanchez against the Cardinals, and Brandon Fott against the Reds. Question I there? fought against Fott. Oh. And, and like I really did. I know it sounds funny. I, it was kind of funny, but I didn't catch the funny until it was already coming out of my mouth. I fought against Fott. I don't like that recommendation. Would you use Miles Michaelis at the Phillies over Brendan Fott? I might. I don't want to, <laughs> but I might. On Saturday. RNG, baby. Who do we have here? Chase Silseth at the Mets. I think that one looks pretty good. I think Javier Assad at the Pirates. I know the underlying Gosh, numbers are not guys. great, but the Pirates. Assad. Pirates are bad, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I'm afraid Assad might be too. Uh, I definitely like Chase Silseth. I think he's my number one choice of the entire weekend going against the Mets. Any interest in Hyunjin Ryu versus the Guardians and JP Sears at the White Sox? I mean, there have been times when I might have said Sears against the White Sox is okay, but I know he got crushed in his last start, and I just I'm not sure I'm feeling it. On Sunday, we have some interesting options. Zach Littell versus the Yankees. Paul Blackburn at the White Sox. Mike Levenger versus the A's. And Graham Ashcraft at the D-backs. So, of these choices, I think my number one is Ashcraft. Don't like him as much as that Chase Silseth on Saturday. But, you know... And it's I'm holding my breath every time we start Ashcraft, but it, he, he has gotten more whiffs uh, in recent starts, and hopefully that continues. Uh, but I don't mind Blackburn. Blackburn at the White Sox, I think that could turn out okay as well. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify, and we will be back again next week. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.